Hey, this is Pastor Jack, West Houston Christian Center, and boy, we are so excited to have you watching us online this morning. Wow, what a blessed time we're going to have. You know, you have a hunger and a thirst for God because you're going online so that you can see us. You know, also, you can go to westhoustonchristian.com, com, yes, and uh, if you'd like to learn more about the church or if you would like to uh, donate or give uh, online, you can do that. But I just want you to know we've prayed for you and we're so excited that you're watching us today. And I believe that God's got a special word for you because you've turned in. Amen. God bless y'all. So why don't we just kick off the Miracle Crusade tonight? Why wait? Now, I'm not going to preach for three and a half hours. But would you if there were miracles? Amen. If there were miracles. And uh, I just dovetail what Michelle said. You know, they're bringing an entire team starting tomorrow at 3. There's going to be youth services. There'll be children's services. And uh, they're really endeavoring to, we're bringing in a lot of local churches that we're in partnership with and stuff. And uh, it really should be some exciting meetings. So I do highly encourage you to come and be a part of them. Amen. You have to give yourself to them. You got to give God something to work with. Amen. If we need a miracle, it's tough to, to be home needing a miracle knowing that there's a place where there's miracles going on and all that God is asking us to do is to get into that atmosphere that can produce whatever it is that you're believing for. Amen? And so we're not to guilt you into anything, although there'll be pictures taken. We'll know who's there and who's not. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. We'll come to your house. No, no, not coming to your house. No, but uh, I just encourage you. Um, to um, purpose to be in some of these meetings because they really will be life-changing. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, it's good to see everybody. What I want to talk about tonight is that your provision is already here. Amen? Everything that you need, all the provision that you need for your life right now is already here. Amen. It's like the pastor that got up on a Sunday morning and said, I've got good news and I've got bad news. The good news is, is that two point five million dollars came in for the building program. The crowd goes crazy. He said, the bad news is the money is still in your pockets. <laughs> Amen. Everything that we need is already here. Amen. Uh, Jonathan, throw that first picture up. As I talked about on vacation, we, uh, each morning I would spend time at this desk. And uh, this was a part of a condo, seventh floor where we stay. And I've done this for years. And that little desk is kind of separated from the condo. And I would look out and it looks straight out across the ocean. There's a little parking lot right there in front where the seawall ends. And a lot of times people will park there and go down to the beach and fish and stuff. But I would spend hours at that desk each morning just reading and praying and looking out that window. Go to the next one. And this is what a close-up of what I would look at every single morning as I looked out. And it's beautiful. And uh, you would see that parking lot. You would see the ocean. And then way out there, you would see some oil rigs. And one morning as I'm sitting there, I'm watching there's seagulls in that parking lot. Because, you know, where there's cars, there's people. Where there's people, there's food. Where there's food, there's seagulls. See how that happens? 
and people would throw stuff and people would actually come down and throw food for them and that type of a thing. People get up early in Galveston to come down and feed these seagulls. A little bit farther out where you can't really see, there were always shrimp boats. And you would see them kind of puttering around with their nets and whatever, and they're going back and forth. And then way out there, where you can barely, barely see them, miles out, there's two oil rigs way out there. And one morning, as I was sitting there just praying and just pondering, God said, everything that each one of those things needed, I already had there before they got there. The provision was already there. Before those seagulls were born, there were people that were bringing food, providing for them. Amen? The shrimper. The shrimper, who cannot see what he is fishing for, has to drop his nets down into the water to receive the provision that he needs. But you know, the shrimp were there before the boat was there. Way out in the middle of the ocean, you've got two oil rigs, and these things don't even get things out of the ocean. They go underneath the ocean. That oil had been there for thousands and thousands of years before a man ever got the wisdom. So everything, does that just not scream provision to you? Aren't you glad that God did not just put us in this just little get-by world? Like there's just enough air. Aren't you glad that we don't have to ration air tonight? We only get 18,000 breaths apiece. Don't go over. There's just enough. What if there was just enough bananas for everybody to have one? Just enough grapes. Just enough water. Just enough snow. Just enough trees. Just enough cows. God gave us everything in this world that we would ever need and he did it exceedingly abundantly there is more than enough you can take the entire population of the world and put them in texas and they would all fit and have room there's that many square miles in texas so when people start talking about we're running out of food we should stop having children that is a lie from the pit of hell there is more than enough of everything that we will ever need. God put his provision here first. Now, to that seagull, he gave a beak. To that shrimper, he gave a net. To the drilling rig, they gave a drill and a pipe. Each one had a specific apparatus in order to get the provision that had already been put there before them. Folks, that's faith. There is all the provision in the world. But unless we use the apparatus that God gave us, we're never going to experience it. I can ride on top of the water all day long and never catch a shrimp. If I don't do what? I got to drop a net. But I can't see what's going on underneath the water. I know. You got to have faith that when you drop that net, that there's going to be something in it when you pull it back up. Those birds, you know those birds never ever once sat around in a circle and talked about, I just wonder if someone's going to show up today and throw us any bread. They never once sat around. They were expectant. They pounced. 
They followed cars. They followed people. They, they knew some of them by first name. Hey, Fred. Yeah, we're over here. Come on. Bring the bread. We're here. We're ready. I brought my friends. They never once worried about what they were going to eat that day. All they knew is that God had given them a beak, an apparatus in which they were to eat what was given to them on a regular basis. The oil way out in the middle of the ocean, that takes faith, doesn't it? That's an expensive trip, isn't it? That somebody had to have the wisdom, that somebody, before they even went out there and stuck that thing in the water, they had to have, what, what kind of a percentage that the oil is going to be there before they'll drill? Really? Like, is it a 50-50? Like a 20 or 30% chance that there might be oil underneath the ocean and it takes, what, a million dollars a day to operate a rig? Some of those rigs? That takes faith to do it. But look at the reward. The seagull was just taking care of his daily. The shrimper was just taking care of his family. The oil rigs are taking care of the world. Yeah. See what I'm saying? It is your faith that connects you to the provision that God has for you. And God has already gone before you and made sure that you have everything that you are ever going to need before you get there. But until you can see it from the eyes of faith, you're just going to continue to walk past it yeah. and not see the provision. And sometimes he asks something from us in order to get something more to us. Yeah, amen. amen? And that's where we miss it sometimes. Let's go to Genesis chapter 22. Jehovah Jireh. What's Jehovah Jireh? My provider that started, where that came from, is in Genesis, the 22nd chapter. Everybody knows Brother Abraham. Brother Abraham and Sister Sarah, finally, after years, had the promised child. What was his name? Isaac. Isaac. They had Isaac. And uh, you would think that that's the end of the story, that Abraham believed God. He received what they believed for. Sarah far past. Sarah was so, she couldn't have children when she was in the prime of her life. And now she's having one when she's 100 years old. Is that a miracle? That's a miracle from God. And so you would think that's the end of the story. Everything's going great. Then lo and behold, God says, Abraham, bring me your son Isaac and sacrifice him to me. Yeah. Oof. Okay, you know what? Abraham didn't waver. Got some sticks, got some donkeys, got some help, and they headed out towards the mountain. Now, as they're going, Isaac, in his natural mind, is asking this question. Um, hey, Dad. Don't quite see, traditionally we would take something to sacrifice before we went up to the mountain, and just you and me right now, I don't see a whole lot. What's going on? And Abraham makes this statement, the Lord will provide. Abraham had faith to believe that God was going to provide the sacrifice. Now, Abraham also had faith enough to believe if Sarah, who's 100 years old and dead in her womb, can have a child, whatever happens to Isaac, God is big enough to raise him. Yep. See the faith? This wasn't some blind cult type of a thing. He had faith to believe that he'd seen him do this, therefore he could believe that he could also um, raise Isaac from the dead. So, 
Um, in Genesis 22.8, it says, And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went off together. In Genesis 22.10, um, as you know, Abraham gets up to the top of the mountain, puts the wood down, binds up his son, lays his son on top, says it stretches out his hands towards the knife, and he's getting ready to actually do it. And an angel of the Lord says, Abraham, stop. Don't do this thing. Now I can truly tell that there's nothing that you can withhold from me. So in Genesis 22.12, the angel of the Lord stops him. And in Genesis 22.13, it says, Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram stuck in the bushes. Now, I'm not much of a farmer or rancher type person, but if there's a stuck animal anywhere close to you and it's big, are you not going to hear that animal? Are you not going to notice this animal? That animal had been there the whole time. That ram had his horns stuck in a thicket and had been there the entire time. But until Abraham acted in faith, the Bible says that he lifted up his eyes and he saw it. See, a lot of times we're looking for God's provision, but until we've been obedient to what he's asked us to do, our eyes are not lifted up to see the provision. That ram had been there the whole time. And And God to Abraham became Jehovah Jireh. One definition says Jehovah Jireh means Jehovah, the one who sees your need and sees to it. The one who sees your need and sees to it. God wants to be our provider. Before you were born in the earth, he produced all the provision that you would ever need not just to get by in this world, but to be successful, to be more than enough, to be an overcomer. Amen? There's more than enough. Everything that Abraham was going to need to do this sacrifice was already there. He just couldn't see it until he started acting in faith to what God had told him to do. Folks, your provision could be staring at you right now. Amen? Your provision, your ram might be stuck in the thicket right now. What you need, everything you need is already here right now. But until we look at it through the eyes of faith, we're not going to see it. Amen? Let me ask you this. Let's go back to the book Genesis back up a little bit. So God is creating the heavens and the earth, and we have the wonderful account of how God created everything in the Garden of Eden, right? Did you notice that he put the food there first before he put Adam and Eve? I don't know, but to me that sounds like that takes a little thought. He said, before I even put Adam and Eve in this garden, I'm going to produce the trees, and I'm going to produce the fruit, and I'm going to produce the seeds, and I'm going to produce everything that Adam and Eve were ever going to need was already in the garden By the end of the sixth day, and Adam and Eve's first day was God's seventh day. They entered into God's rest. They didn't have to immediately get up and start and go hunting. We got to go find some food. We got to do this. No, no, no. Everything that Adam and Eve were ever going to need 
was already there. What's the difference with you and I? Everything that you and I are ever going to need is already here. God does not have to print any more money to get you finances. God doesn't have a printing press. Amen. The provision's already here. But it's a matter of us of being obedient to what he's asked us to do in order for us to receive a lot of the provision that we need. Does that make sense tonight? Amen. Amen. Faith is the tool to make your provision appear. Amen? Anything and everything you will already need is here at your place of faith. Think about that. Any and everything you are ever going to need is right here at the place of faith. Whatever you need right now, it's here right now if you'll just believe. Just believe. Now, what goes along with just believe, just obey. Amen? It's one thing to say, I believe. It's another thing to say, I believe and I obey. Because God asked Abraham to do something. Let's be really honest. That's pretty drastic. Kill my only son? Kill my only child? I mean, that was so foreign to God with human sacrifice. And that was so out of the... You know, and there were other things going on there which pertain to Jesus in the new covenant. Abraham was willing to give his son, therefore it gave God the right to give his son. We see that Old Testament, New Testament. There were a couple of different things that were going on there, more than just meets the eye. But a lot of this, guys, a lot of this depends on am I willing to do, am I willing to give, amen? Am I willing to do what he's told me to do in order to get the provision that we need. Look at 2 Kings chapter 7. Second Kings chapter 7. And you know the story, verses 1 through 8. And uh, Israel at this time, they're surrounded by the Syrian army. And because they're surrounded, they're now cut off from food. They're cut off from help. You have all these people in the walled city. They've run out of food. Amen. They're talking about they're eating dung and they're eating stuff. The thing is they're getting sold that normally, unless you're in Louisiana, you probably would never, ever eat. Amen. (laughs) I mean, you're, you know, this is, they're, they're down to the bare necessities. They got nothing left. And, uh. All of a sudden, Elijah says in verse 7 of 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 7, Elisha says, hear the word of the Lord. Folks, that is so important when it comes to receiving your provision. Hear the word of the Lord. Whatever it is that you're believing for, whatever it is that you're needing provision in, it always starts with this word. Hear the word of the Lord. Of the Lord. You need to hear from God about what you're believing for. Amen? I want to hear from God. I need to have a word from God of what I'm believing for. Elisha says, Hear the word of the Lord. Tomorrow there will be more than enough provision for the entire city. What? 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 7. Verse 1 through 8. But I thought I was reading verse 7. 
All right, well, verse 1. No, 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 by all means. Thank you. So, in verse 3, I hope, (laughs) you find this story of these four lepers. Is everybody familiar with this story? So you've got Elijah, he's prophesying. And matter of fact, there's one of the, the, the captains of the guard is standing next to Elijah when he says, by this time tomorrow, there's going to be an abundance in Israel and in Jerusalem and all these things. We're going to have all these exorbitant prices now for all this stuff because there's going to be so much abundance. And this guy next to him is going like, yeah, right. Even if God himself were to open up the windows of heaven, this would, there would not be enough to feed all these people. And Elijah says, you're going to see it, but you're not going to get to partake of it. He doubted what God said. So then all of a sudden you jump down to these four lepers. And these four lepers are kind of in between Jerusalem and they're in between the Syrians. And as you know, as a leper, they're not invited to most of the parties, you know, in the town. You know, that's why they're all together. Amen? And uh, so they make this statement. And uh, it's so powerful in verse 3. I want to read this to you. 2 Corinthians 7. Oh, please, Lord, let it be verse 3. (laughs) Now four men who were lepers were at the entrance of the city's gate, and they said to one another, Why do we sit here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the army of the Syrians, and if they spare us alive, we shall live, and if they kill us, we shall but die. Now, does that sound like a group of people just full of faith? Do you know that that's all the faith God needed to work with in order to produce this miracle? It doesn't take a lot of faith to get your provision. It just needs you to be honest about what you're believing for. God's not looking for this big bunch of jump of prayer and these fancy words and all these types of things. He's looking to see the sincerity of your heart and do you really believe what you're saying? Because these guys, that was the faith prayer right there, those four lepers. Well, Fred, what are you going to do? I don't know. If we stay here, we're going to die. So if we just go over there to the Syrians, at least we got a 50-50 chance. Either maybe they're going to kill us or they'll feed us. Either way, whatever. That's all the faith that God needed to produce a mighty miracle of provision that didn't just affect the lepers, but affected the whole city. Do you see how just a little bit of faith can change an entire city? If somebody will just dare to believe God will dare to use the apparatus that he gave us to go in by faith and believe for provision. See, your provision is not just for you. Your miracle is not just for you. It's for everybody else. We got to see. I love what my dad preached on Sunday about. We need to, we need to raise our expectations. We're, we're, we're living too low. We're thinking too small. We're not believing for enough. There's more than enough. Say this. There's more than enough. There's more than enough. You're not going to get up there in line and they're going to say, oh, that was the last healing. I'm so sorry. You know, we see ourselves as what was it? Oliver Twist. More, please. More. 
Was that good? You like the accent? That was good. More, please. But sometimes that's how we see ourselves, this poor, beggarly, just getting by. Oh, Lord, if, if, it, if it doesn't trouble you too much, just one little drop more. And, we're, and you're a firstborn child of the king. I have never gone into my parents' house and gone, more, please. I open up the fridge. It makes them mad. I mean, you got to check the dates on the food now, but yeah, I still go in. <laughs> That's an empty nester's joke. You'll see when you get there. You'll see when you get there. But notice this in verse 4. I'm sorry, in verse 5. And it says, So they arose in the twilight and went into the Syrian camp, but when they came to the edge of the camp, no man was there. For the Lord made the Syrian army hear a noise of chariots and horses, the noise of a great army. And they said to one another, The king of Israel has hired the Hittite and the Egyptian kings to come upon us. Verse 7. So the Assyrians rose and fled when? In the twilight. Go back to verse 5. When did the lepers get up and start moving towards this massive army? Do you notice when the four lepers got up in faith and started acting on what the man of God said at the exact same time in the Syrian camp, it sounded like chariots and horsemen, and it so scared the Syrians that they left the camp intact. So now you've got these four lepers walking into this camp, which is perfectly set, fire in place, tents already horses tied up, and they start going from tent to tent, and there's roast beef in this one, they got like nine Rolexes on, they got diamond rings coming out, they're eating in this one, they're, and all there is is provision until one of them, after he was full, <laughs> said, you know, maybe we should go tell somebody about this, and they go back and they report what had happened, and now all of Jerusalem is saved because four lepers acted in faith and provided a provision for everybody. Amen? Notice, God didn't move until they moved. They both moved at twilight. When the lepers moved at twilight, God moved at twilight. Sometimes we believe that just because we're in church or we, we love God and He loves us and we have a revelation of that, that somehow that automatically means that we get all the provision that goes along with it. And it doesn't work that way. The greatest thing God ever did for us was save us. Is there anything greater? Could you put a price on that? He gave us saving faith. But then he gave us a portion of his faith in order for us to live in this earth and to grow so that we can become useful for him. Faith is the most valuable thing that you have. It's the most precious thing that you have. It's the thing that's going to take you. You're going to take that into the afterlife. You're always going to have your faith. We're always going to be believing. Amen? It's something that's not, everything else is going to stay here, but faith is an eternal thing. Because it's from God. So, everything Israel needed was already there. It just took someone with faith to make it appear. 1 Kings chapter 17. I hope it's 1 Kings. I really do. 
So everybody knows the story of Elijah. And this is funny. I never noticed this. I'd heard this, but I'd never seen it before. 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 9. And it said, And the word of the Lord came to him, once again, and the word of the Lord. Does everybody understand that when we're talking about provision? You're always going to see this statement. And the word of the Lord. you got to have a word from the Lord about what you're believing for. Okay? And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, and go thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. What? Out of the Amplified, it says, Arise, and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So, God tells the man of God to go to this city because there's a widow there that's going to provide for him. Amen? So Elijah does exactly what God tells him to do. He goes to the city, and lo and behold, there's this widow. And he meets her, and he asks her, hey, very simply, could you bring me a glass of water? Sure. So she goes to get him a glass of water, and he says to her, and by the way, could you mind just making me a little bit of bread? I'm kind of hungry, too. And that's when she stops and turns and just shares, I have a handful of flour. I have just this little bit of oil. I'm going to make a little cake for my son and I, we're going to eat it, and then we're just going to go die. Oh, okay. And what does he say? He says, do this first, go and make it for me first, and then you. And that when she went and did that, her oil never ran out, listen to me, and her flour was never bare. When she took, a lot of times, and and this is hard sometimes, a lot of times we say, Lord, I've given it all. I've given everything, and we really haven't. Ananias and Sapphira said, Lord, we gave it all. Did they? A lot of times we're trying to tell God, Lord, I've given it all, and we really haven't. Amen? What did she still have? She had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And when she gave that in faith at the word of the prophet, then God did a super miraculous miracle of provision for her. And the Bible says that it could have lasted where that she never ran out of oil or she never ran out of flour for three years until the famine or the drought was over. A lot of times our provision is already in our hand. Amen? I'm not waiting for God to give me something so then I can go get something else. I have to ask him, what do do I already have? Amen? Have I given it all? Now listen to me. You have to hear from God to do this. I I went to Bible school with people and they thought it was their duty to try and give away everything that they had. And it wasn't spirit-led how they did it. And guess what? They were broke. You have got to have a word from God when you start doing these types of things. But when you do get a word from God, we have to act on it. Your provision is on the other side of your obedience. Amen? That's where our provision is. There's more than enough for any and everything that each one of us needs right now. There's more than enough money. There's more than enough everything that each and every one of us needs, but it's only by faith are we going to be able to reach in and pull it out of the unseen into the seen world. We get this, like, we have to make this thing work. I'm going to work this thing. I don't know where we get this stepchild syndrome. 
that, you know, that God can't bless me for, for, for reasons X, Y, and Z? Would you say that when the Syrian army came and brought all of their gold and all of their silver and all of their food and then just left it, that was the wealth of the sinner laid up for the just? What kind of idiot brings all of his possessions to go fight a war? Well, honey, I'm going off to fight the war. I'm going to take the flat screen, the Corvette. I'm going to take all my jewelry, my Rolex. Honey, and I'm going to take everything with me. I don't know why. I just feel inclined to do it. And I'm going to go march against this big city. They brought everything with them and then left it completely and perfectly for Israel to have it. The wealth of the sinner laid up for the just. Amen? What if... What if the one thing that right now is attacking you the most turns out to be the thing God is using to try and bless you? What if that army that's arrayed against you has brought the provision that you need? (laughs) Come on. It's already here. We just can't see it because we haven't lifted up our eyes in faith to really trust God to believe him for everything that we need. Do we really know? Let's be, can we be honest? Is it hard to believe that God wants to provide for you? For some it is. Some it really is. How many of us know that God loves you? I should have 100% participation. Thank you, Beth. I was getting nervous there just for a second. Good email from your mom today. That was a good email. I read it. It's good. Check on your mother. <laughs> Um, we all know that God loves us, right? Amen? But we struggle sometimes with God being our provider because we don't know what that looks like. What's that look like, God being my provider, meeting my needs? Does that mean every day the birds come and bring bread and, and feed me? No, but he's given us these two wonderful things. He's given you, number one, the blessing, and number two, favor. Blessing is what you and I walk in. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. I like what Brother Jerry says. Favor is producing the opportunities in order for you to get the blessing. So we need to be believing for the favor of God on a regular basis. Amen? Psalms 5.12. For you, O Lord, will bless the righteous. With favor you'll surround him as with a shield. Every day you need to be declaring the favor of God over you in every area of your life. Because the blessing is all around us. I'm blessed. But favor produces opportunities for that blessing to manifest. Amen? That's how you get that car and you don't pay full price for it. That's how you get blessed with that home. That's how you get that job. That's how of 10,000 people that applied for this scholarship, I don't know how you got it. Oh, I know exactly how I got it. Yeah. It was the favor of God because I'm blessed. Yeah. Say I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I can't be cursed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Amen. That'll make you happy. Yes? Right, Madeline? Will that make you happy? You can have favor in college. Yeah. Absolutely, you can have favor in college. So notice that after the widow gave the little bit that she had, all God said was just give me something to work with. That when she gave the man of God something to work with, it produced such a miracle that it lasted three years, folks, 
of never running out of flour, of never running out of oil. And it took her all the way to the end. One more and I'll finish with this. You know, Jesus fed 3,000 and he fed 5,000. Amen? And so when he fed the 5,000, um, he had called his disciples and said, let's go away to a place and I want to teach you. And when he did that, everybody followed him. So they go out to this desolate place and Jesus is teaching. And one of the disciples says, hey, Jesus, um, we probably should let everybody go home because they've been out here and there's no food. They should go into the countryside so they can find something. And Jesus says, well, why don't you feed them? And the disciples, which shows you they had a little bit of cash at that time, said, would 200 denarii, would give everybody something? They could have gone and spent 200, whatever much money that is, and everybody would have gotten something. Say something. something. Does something sound good? Something. What'd you get for Christmas? Eh, something. <laughs> How was Thanksgiving? What'd you get for Thanksgiving? Eh, it was something. Something just to me sounds like man doing his very best to produce a bare minimum for everybody. Something. Well, you got something, right? Yeah, be happy. You got something. Jesus says, what do we have? And we had the loaves and we had the fishes. And it says he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And everybody got some until they were filled. See, the world wants to get you something. Government, that's what government wants to be our God. It promises to give everybody something. God wants you to have everything so that you can be filled. And they picked up 12 baskets of fragments. And there's a whole other message in there about your provision can be in the fragments. Your provision can be all around you right now. If we would just change a few small little things in our lifestyle, in our budget... Amen. It would produce more of an inflow in where we're living. Amen. Amen. So the provision is already here. Everything you need is already here. Amen. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Will you all give me, can we just take just a few minutes to pray in tongues and let's just pray over the miracle, the crusade? Yes, Lord. Well, everybody, is everybody in a good place of faith right now? Thank you, Lord. I mean, let's just take a few minutes and let's just pray in our sanctuary and pray over these meetings. Father, we thank you for the corporate anointing that's in this place right now. Father, we stir ourselves up in the name of Jesus. And Father, we pray over this sanctuary. We pray over these meetings. And Father, we just pull the, our, our, we raise our expectation. We take off the lid of unbelief in this place in the name of Jesus. And Father, we thank you, Lord, for a mighty move of your presence in West Houston Christian Center during these meetings, Father. Lord, we pray over those that are coming, for those that are going to be a part of the service. 
Father, we pray over the team, Lord, as they prepare to travel here in the morning from Texarkana. We plead the blood of Jesus over their travels, over their vehicles. Lord, we declare safety and angels to go before them. But Father, we pray specifically over Brother Tracy right now. Lord, I know he's got a word for this city. I know that there's specific words that he's going to give to people in this room. And Father, I just don't, I come against every hindrance, every attack, and every assignment of the enemy against him. I thank you for a spirit of peace. I thank you, Lord, and we declare unity in these meetings. Lord, all these different ministers and pastors that are going to be here, Lord, we're going to play nice and get along in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're all going to play nice and get along, Father. We're not here to exalt a man. We're here to exalt God in each and every one of these meetings. And I just thank you even right now, Lord, for the peace of God, which passes all understanding to guards our hearts and minds. Father, we pray over the children, over the youth. Father, just stir our hearts, Lord. Lord, help us stir our hearts to believe you for miracles, Lord. We're going to believe, we're believing you for miracles, Father. We're believing you for miracles. Whatever that looks like, Father, no limitations in Jesus' mighty name. Amen? Hallelujah. God bless you. Well, we start Thursday night at 7, and uh, we'll go from there. God bless you. We love you.